You're listening to the Build Shaves Podcast, presented by Midco Sports. The calendar tells us that spring is here, and Midco Sports has the spring sports scene covered, from Summit League softball and baseball to high school track and field and more. Watch all the action on Midco Sports or streaming on Midco Sports Plus. This is how we do sports, and this is the Build Shaves Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Bill Shaves Podcast. We are taping this on a Tuesday morning, April the 11th. Alex Seinert, Bill Shaves. Bill, good to see you. Yeah, good to see you, Alex. And uh, yeah, the opening, you're correct. The calendar does say spring, and I think we're heading there. <laughs> Slowly but surely. A couple of bumps in the road. It's not a linear path to get to spring. There are peaks and valleys along the way. That's part of the world that we live in right now in the upper Midwest. That's right. That's right. And, you know, I think every place has its peaks and valleys. And so, uh, um, in again, I, I'm just talking for myself, you know, I, I would rather it be, let's just say 80 degrees, but you know, others just are fine with zero. <laughs> uh, it's, it's an acquired taste spring in this part of the world. And it does usually doesn't last very long, but it's regardless of what the weather says. Yeah, it is April. It's mid April. Now Easter's behind us, which is crazy. And there really is just, I mean, a month left in the school calendar bill, which is wild. Talk a bit about the feel around campus as you hit this point and exams are not that far off. Things are happening here. We had a weird week last week because it was Easter weekend and we actually had Friday off. And then with the storm that was impending, it felt pretty safe that we were going to get hit pretty good. And of course, you just didn't know when uh, exactly was going to happen. And so um, I think Dr. Armacost and the team made a good decision of, uh, of, of canceling or closing or whatever the terminology we're going to use uh, school last week for a variety of reasons. Um you knew that you had the Friday off and probably if you weren't going to be here on Wednesday, maybe not much would be happening on Thursday. So I think there, you know, the, the holiday weekend definitely played a, uh, a role in that kind of that three day cancellation. And usually we're a day by day, I mean, to see what happens because you just don't know a hundred percent what's going to happen with uh, mother nature. But with that to loop it into the sports scene, obviously that's affected certainly a number of our teams. And and last week we had softball reversing site and uh, obviously made some sense. Kansas city was having, uh, you know, very, very nice weather. I think they ended up having like 70 degree weather. So that worked out great. And uh, yeah, it was good for the team uh, winning two out of three and uh, kind of putting themselves in a position to, you know, uh, top six, make the playoffs in the summit league. So we got to keep grinding out wins here. They've won three of their last four now, three and five in conference. Again, a great bounce back after a tough non-conference season. And as you said, being agile in this space, and they've had a lot of that this year. Softball still hasn't played a home game yet. We'll see when that actually happens. But even a couple of weeks ago, they had to go down and play a handful of games in Omaha and Sioux City. And they were kind of over the course of the weekends, having to bounce between a couple of different sites because the weather kept shifting. It's incredible just what Jordan Stevens crew has been through this year already, but it's not really out of the norm for them, is it? No. And, you know, I would say, Alex, you know, on our on our master facilities plan, we do have uh, renderings for a softball uh, facility uh, with turf. And if you use the if you use last week and this week as the perfect example 
if we had turf right now, you might be able to push snow at this point in time, especially given what the temperature is going to be here the next few days. You might be in pretty good shape. If I look across the street right now, the turf for the practice football facility has been pushed. It's playable. And so that's where we have to head to for this program. It's just, um, you know, it's, it's difficult enough because of the temperatures, but then not having the ability to push snow makes it real, real hard. Could you give us an idea of the timeline, perhaps, of when a facility like that might be in the works, might be possible for this program, Bill? The hope is for two years from this year. Mm. As we're sitting here in uh, 23, we're hoping the spring of 25 that season that that would be the case. So uh, that's that's at least the conversations we're having right now. And uh, hopefully, knock on wood, um, that'll come to fruition. And if that's the case, there's a couple things that would be uh, tremendous about that as well. Is I think it could help the community as well. Certainly, the local softball teams, um, you know, could benefit. And I think that's incredibly important. I think when you're trying to grow the game, uh, you you obviously want to make sure that um, the 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 younger uh, you know softball players have a chance to play as well. And then certainly through the uh, through the summer, they would open up opportunities for say summer camps and other things to go on as well. So we're kind of excited. That's one of the plates we're spinning as far as the facilities uh, Mm -hmm. go. And uh, that would be a big difference for us. And because we know we've got to try to uh, figure out the infrastructure piece uh, for that particular program. It's hard enough to get outside, but it's really difficult when you have a winter like this. Yeah, that would be a game changer for that it group, and as you said, for, for the sport in the Grand Forks area as a whole. So exciting stuff, perhaps just a couple of years away for softball in Grand Forks and the surrounding areas. Again, they are, the hits just keep coming. They were supposed to play Bemidji State tomorrow on the 12th. Those games have been canceled, of course, because of the weather. There's a chance they could play St. Thomas this weekend in Grand Forks. That would be the first of eight straight home games, at least on the scheduling. And we'll see what, what the weather does and what the field looks like. Summer League Championships now just a month away. And those will be played in Brookings coming up on the second week of May. Yeah, we're recording right now on Tuesday morning. And uh, it's looking like we're going to have to figure something out with St. Thomas, whether it's site reversal. Whether it's a neutral site somewhere, we're not sure at this point in time, but both that conversation and South Dakota State, the following week, we're having those conversations, hoping that we can at least get a series in, uh, you know, sometime in May. Yeah, well, stay tuned to FightingHawks.com for more information on those particular series for the softball team. Uh, another sport that was affected by the weather bill was outdoor track and field. They were supposed to go down to Vermilion for an, an invitational last weekend. They decided not to go just because of the concern of getting back home. That was going to be on Saturday. Uh, probably the right choice, again, just given how things were over the course of the weekends. They will now go to warmer climbs this week uh, to the Brian Clay invite out in Azusa, California, the, the Pacific Coast invite out in Long Beach. I don't think those two are going to get canceled because of weather. Feel pretty good. Uh, about those taking place. But it's crazy. Summer League Championships for them as well, coming up that same weekend, the 11th through the 13th in Fargo. After those weekends in California, outdoor track and field is going to be pretty much in the upper Midwest. Drake Relays coming up, some invites in Iowa and Fargo. It'll be much closer to home in the couple in, in the weeks leading into the Summer League Championships for outdoor track and field. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, we... Um... Of course, safety first, right? So that was the right decision, uh, you know, not to participate this past weekend. Um, so 
uh, but them going out uh, to their kind of annual uh, jaunt to California, uh, it will be a great uh, opportunity for them to participate, compete. And then uh, you're right, all leading up to the uh, to the Summit League Championships. What's the buzz around that program right now as they're a month away from the championship? Yeah, I think pretty good. You know, um, you know, Jim, uh, you know, they're pretty they're pretty low key to some degree, but I think they have a plan. Uh, that's the one thing that I, I appreciate about Coach Varenkamp. It feels like um, he's uh, at heart. He's a he's a strategist. And, and so at the end of the day, I think there's, uh, you know, a lot of thoughts running into his head, not only for this particular year itself, but I think the vision for the uh, for the uh, for the program in, in the future. In fact, you know, and I know uh, this particular pod, uh, you know, it'll be awesome to have one of our uh, head coaches on. But we certainly go down that path too um, to have uh, maybe a few coaches as we as we move forward and as we get closer to the uh, Summit League Championships. Maybe Jim will be a perfect guest for us. I like that idea. Yeah, his his squad is in performing well. We saw Kenneth Curry win the hammer throw out in Stanford last weekend. They've had some really good performances in the mid distances on the men's side. Things to watch as this team continues to progress within outdoor season. Uh, speaking of coaches, by the way, we are going to get Bubba Schwagert on here in just a bit. So stay tuned for that. We're excited to have him to talk about spring football. That wrapped up this past weekend. We'll talk much more about that pro days, the state of that program as they transition to the next phase of their season coming up. Other sports in the spring, though, that are still busy, both tennises approaching championships and both in line right now to make the top four. The men right now are two and two in conference play. The women are five and one. They both finish out their regular season at home against Denver coming up on the 15th and 16th. Huge matches for both of those programs as the women, Bill, could still win a regular season championship in the Summit League. Yeah, they could. And, um, you know, we talked about them this morning. We have got our senior uh, management meeting and uh, we were just talking about kind of, you know, the various programs that are uh, participating right now and what could happen. But uh, with uh, both uh, teams playing Denver at home this weekend, kind of interesting. Um, Denver's really good, uh, really on both sides. And, and so, but on the men's side, uh, if, if you went by um, the standings today, uh, there's a chance that we could play Denver and it could come down to a tie break that you it's how many um matches you win within the match itself hmm. so so you may not win the match but if you lose four three versus six one you might end up making the tournament so that's one of the tie breaks wow. so it's that kind of inter- so talk about every every match counts right in tennis and everything's kind of a point but this one will be co- very very fascinating and from what i'm gathering we'll know what we need to do prior to the match so uh it'll be it'll be interesting on sunday morning well that is exciting again that's on the 16th as you said sunday the women will play on saturday at four o'clock for the men they've had a phenomenal season 15 and 6 this year can they find a way to, to finish it out and make their way into the championships, which will be in Tulsa on the 21st and 22nd? And then for the women, it kind of the inverse, sort of a tough non-conference. They played a lot of really good teams, and now they've just been on fire in, in Summit League play. They've clinched the spot in Tulsa. Now it just depends on, it, will it be the one, the two, or the three seed? It's going to be one of those three going into this weekend. And the result against Denver will determine where they end up. Yeah, we had a um, tricky little match in Kansas City, and I, I would say this. Um, I would say for whatever reason, and tennis is a, um, every sport has its nuances to it, but 
Kansas City couldn't change the match time for us because that's when they had the courts. And mm-hmm. so uh, it wasn't on Kansas City by any stretch of the imagination, but it we had a long travel day and we knew we were going to have a long travel day and they just couldn't change it. And so we had to play in that morning um, and I, no excuses. I, I'm not sure we were 100% at our best. So, um, I, you know, we wouldn't mind playing them again. <laughs> Well, they might get the opportunity coming right. up down in Oklahoma That's here right. in about 10 days or so. But anyway, get out and support the women against Denver at 4 o'clock at choice on Saturday. The men Sunday morning the following day on the 16th to close out their regular seasons respectively before the championships coming up April 21st and 22nd. Uh, as we pod right now, golf's in action with the men and women down in Omaha. The spring season continues to progress as they've been able to get various duels in and, and play in tournaments across the southern part of the country. Give us a little feel on what's happening with the golf programs, Bill. Yeah, so Eric Martinson's our uh, our lead on golf at this point in time. And, uh, you know, I think both teams have played fairly well, out, out, you know, getting outside, uh, knowing what kind of winter we had. So, um, again, much like track, Alex, everything leads to heading towards the Summit League Championships. And I think that's you know, that's what we're kind of looking or aiming for. Not that these uh, particular events are, aren't important right now, but everything uh, obviously culminates when you, when you play in the championships. Yeah, the women's championship meet will take place in Lincoln, April 23rd through the 25th. And the men will be in Lincoln the following week. So really not that much left. Not a lot of golf left as we nope. kind of hit this point in the year. Everything's wrapping up here pretty soon. One other note, um, we wanted to take a moment just to pay our respects to Al Pearson. Uh, who passed away last week at the age of 85 after a 17-year bout with Parkinson's disease. It was excellent that the university and the Ralph were able to recognize him this last January uh, to give him kind of one big special send-off for one of the games during the Duluth series. Just a special guy. He and his family have been a huge part of growing University of North Dakota hockey for half a century, a great man who meant a lot to a lot of people. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think, uh, you know, Jody's comment was spot on, right? I mean, Al Al was the uh, creator of uh, making sure every game was a home game. And uh, I thought, you know, if you look at our fan base and how it travels and, and where it goes to, and you can always – you can always count on uh, Green being in the stands no matter where it is. And so uh, Al had uh, a lot to do with it, if not, you know, if not <laughs> everything to do with it. Yeah, he was the founder of that. I mean, he and his friends, you know, 50 something years ago decided, let's get a group of people together. We're going to get a bus and we're going to we're going to travel and make this a destination. And it's, um, you know, those are the sorts of traditions that that grow and build and become legendary. And it's it will be different not seeing that white cowboy hat at fan luncheons and at games of all different kinds, but especially UND hockey. Just a special, special guy. He and his daughter Joanna championed that over the last handful of years, and he will certainly be missed. No doubt about it. So rest in peace, Al. Yes, amen. Uh, Bill, anything else going on around UND athletics right now? I know there's, some sports are now in pure off-season mode, you know, hockey with, with news of transfers coming in, being announced, and things becoming official, football transitioning from spring ball to sort of their summer season, basketball, same thing. There's there, We're kind of in that phase right now where you're half in, half out, getting ready for summer. You are. You are. Um, you're definitely looking ahead to next year, uh, uh, you know, because it, it, much like I think we talked about the last pod, it feels like certainly when you reach that July 4th 
range, it feels like it's coming at that point. So you've got to take advantage of every day, every week right now. To If you want to make some tweaks in, in how, uh, you know, you're presenting games or, or trying to make some uh, improvements somewhere, th- this is the time where you've got to get that one done. So we're having those conversations for sure. Um, and you're right. Uh, I think the, the, the winter sports that just uh, were completed um, lots of, movement still i think that covid year that extra covid year that we might be in year three three or four maybe it seems like about right um i i i think the the portal tamps down a little bit uh with transfers once that cycles through but since we still have students that have that extra year I think, you know, you're seeing a lot of activity at this point in time, certainly in the both basketballs and the hockey front. And so uh, that's what, you know, Paul, uh, Mallory and uh, and Brad are doing right now, just securing, you know, what our rosters are going to look like for the for the upcoming year. It is funny. It feels like hockey has gotten so much attention about who's leaving and who's coming back. And, and obviously they will have. It'll be a little reverse of what we saw two years ago, or a recall, I guess, to what we saw two years ago, with basically half the roster will be new, either with freshmen or transfers. Not as much movement on the basketball front. Like We've seen more people say they're coming back or stick around, not a lot of incoming news just yet. Those those rosters will look a lot more similar to what we saw last year. Yeah, I think we had two, one on each uh one on the men's side, one on the women's side, Allie McCarthy and Reed Grant. I think they both wanted to go play some more minutes somewhere. And um, I, absolutely, I, I could absolutely see that. So correct, Alex, We it's it's been a little bit more uh, stable as far as, you know, maybe from what, you know, we've seen in the last couple of years, especially on the men's side, you know, I mean, you know, unfortunately, you know, we, we probably got hit early and often uh it feels like in that regard but uh maybe it's a little bit more stable at this point which hopefully knock on wood will help us uh as we as we head into next year and then but hockey's just i I think that extra year has really been interesting there um i think when you get that when you have someone that's played with you for three years and has been in school for three years and has logged a lot on the academic odometer already hard to go somewhere and finish up that fourth year and only have one year left. But if you go somewhere and have two years left, you can actually take a step backward academically and catch back up in those two years, get your degree and play two years. That's why I think things are going to tamp down a little bit when things, uh, you know, when, when we cycle through that extra year. Yeah, and I would say the same thing too if you've played four years at a place and you finished your degree and now you're moving on for that fifth year and it's a second degree. You're working on a master's now. Same thing. It's just a different equation. And that's those things will be out of the equation when this ends in two seasons. It feels that way, correct. Because if you've if you've broken the tape and you've gotten um your degree and you do have that extra year to play, you get a chance to go somewhere and experience something different. You know what? I think that's great. But once that extra COVID year cycles through, I'm just, I think you're going to see a lot less volatility at this stage of the game. Now, again, maybe I'm wrong. And, uh, you know, and maybe my coaches will say I'm crazy. But at the end of the day, I would say that it feels that that could be the case. Yeah, I would agree. Well, we'll find out in 2526 <laughs> what things look like when that comes around. 
Switching gears, we are proud to be joined now by the head football coach of the University of North Dakota, Bubba Schweigert, entering year 10 in charge. Coach, thanks for taking some time for us. Well, thank you, Alex. It's great to be on. Yeah, first time Potter. I mean, uh, 10 years to be the head coach, but this might be your most impressive day here at the University of North Dakota. <laughs> That's right. This is the first time pod anything. Ooh. Oh, wow. So <laughs> this is big. A true pod debut for Bubba. Well, we'll we'll easy in. This is the way we've done this with our guests here this season. It's been pretty simple. Three questions, and we can ask a follow up or two if we want to. But easy stuff, and then we'll get you on your way. So I we we talk about spring ball just wrapping up. You finished with your spring wrap up back on April the eighth. First of all, just your philosophy, Bubba. You and your staff. What do you want to see out of your guys over the course of the spring? And what did you see? Well, when we entered this spring, uh, if you always look at what kind of objectives you have for this spring. I think offensively, when we look at that, it was, hey, we need to develop depth on the O-line, depth at the quarterback position. Those were really two two points of emphasis. And, you know, we know we have a starting quarterback who's played a lot of football, but we have other guys that haven't played a lot. So we're going to give a lot of reps to those other guys to – give them an opportunity to improve and for us to evaluate them. And I think we accomplished that. Then up front on offense, you know, last year, we it was completely unknown. We didn't know who was going to be playing for us. This year, we have everybody returning. So we know who's played a lot, and yet we think we just need more depth. So to give younger guys a lot of reps, move guys around to different positions. We need to do that. You know, Donnie Ventrelli played some guard after playing all tackle last year. Easton Kilty moved out to tackle after playing a lot of guard, things like that. Colin Lavelle played some center. And just really searching to find who are those top eight guys, who are the top nine guys, and who has some versatility to move them around. So, um Mission accomplished. We found out some combinations that work and will work for us. You know, you're always working on the other positions too. And then defensively, it was to simplify so our guys can play fast. And we really challenged our defensive staff under the direction of Joel Schwensfire, which was a change for us. Let's simplify and play fast. I just felt we needed to execute at a higher level. And and our guys, we just started meeting with them today and they – they really have embraced that change. So we're really pleased with that. And then special teams consistency. We really, you know, we're going to have a new punter. Obviously we couldn't get outside to punt much this spring. So we got some work to do there, but we aren't playing games till the fall. And when we look at the overall purpose of spring ball, it's let's get our team better and prepare us for the fall season. That's the one thing you always got to keep in mind. And we're maybe a team that doesn't go live as much as some other teams, but we always want to stay healthy. And I think you decrease the risk of injury if you go less live reps, but we also got to do a good job of teaching football. And we did do some live reps with some younger guys that we thought we needed to give a chance to play live football. They haven't played for a while. And we got out of this spring really, really healthy. Quick follow-up. Um, so you mentioned uh, coaches. Um, obviously, even if you have one coaching change, it's a new dynamic. And But you've had a couple 
And so just talk about how that worked out. I'm sure that was helpful to try to have to get into the mix, so to speak, um, in, in real time through the, in this case, 14 practices, but we're allowed 15 practices, but during that time frame. Sure. And, you know, we're always going to have change in staffs. We know that's part of college football, part of college athletics, but feel really fortunate and was really excited to be able to have Tom Dosh join our staff. You know, how many times do we have an opportunity to have somebody join our staff that has 30 years of coaching experience and experience in all different roles, head coach experience, offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, special teams coordinator, outside linebacker coach, inside linebacker coach. So brings a lot of different perspective and can help us in so many areas and had coached with Tom before, but also hadn't been with him for a number of years now too. So that was a different dynamic, just having him in those meeting rooms and and learning what he brings now that we've been apart for a long time. And he was at UND before, but really excited to have him here. And I know he's excited to be part of UND football. Running back coach Donnell Kirkwood, really pleased with how he was just able to dive in and bring some real energy to the practice field, bring some energy to the office, played at the FBS level, Florida guy who's been in the Midwest for a number of years now. You know, we always get concerned about how are these guys going to be around this snow. This was a tough winter. It's tough for the guys that grew up in North Dakota. But uh, he's a Midwest guy. He's been here a long time, played his college ball in the Midwest, and just really pleased with what he's going to bring to our staff on the road recruiting, has a lot of developed, a lot of good ties here in the Midwest, and what he's going to bring to us in the meeting room and what he brings to us on the practice field and eventually the game field. That's awesome. And uh, help me with – Joel and how he kind of has taken on the uh, the DC role. And, and that's always uh, interesting when you have to slide over a little bit, right, from one chair to the next. Yeah, I think uh, the challenge in, uh, for Joel is, okay, you're amongst your peers and you were part of that position coach group that listens to a coordinator and then you – figure out how to make it work with your position group. Now those same guys that you were with figuring out how to make it work, you're directing them and leading them, Yep. which is a challenge. Sure. Yet I think we've always done a good job here and I always want our guys to be themselves. I don't really, I don't think we need to have cookie cutter coaches. We're all going to have some flexibility and coach how we see best. And we have guidelines, obviously how we want to do it and, but I'm really pleased with how he took the role and led the defensive staff and communicates with our offensive staff. And he's been in here for a long time. And to see him grow into this position was really pleasing. You know, I got here, he was a graduate coach. I didn't know Joel. I knew he had three picks against Texas Tech. That was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, and he still hears about that every day. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
you know, for him to grow into this position. And I just felt he was ready. It's awesome. After the position opened up, met with him two or three times. And I go, this is the right thing to do for our program at this time. And really excited as he moves forward in this role. That's awesome. Hey, question two, Bubba. Just you probably could write a dissertation on this, but you don't need to on the pod here. I mean, you can just be very broad. But the football calendar, the 12 month calendar, uh, what's been some of the conversation with coaches? Because it's been a little bit dicey right at the end of regular season, heading into playoffs and recruiting. And it feels like there's a lot of things happening in the month of December. Yeah. And then there's the portal that enters into this. So what we're trying to do when we sit in those coaching meetings, we're trying to find the right balance for our coaches. And I'm, I've been doing this a long time now, and I really get concerned about our young coaches that we can create opportunities for a good coaching family life balance. So we get done with our season. It's very busy with the initial signing day. We got to get out and keep those young men committed because most of our guys at the FCS level are going to be committing in the summertime. Some go into the fall. And then we have the second signing day in February where we probably have a few opportunities to recruit guys. But this year, for this past year, for the first time, we had transfer portal visits that were in the first week in January. We also, during that time, if we want to be a good um, professional development member going down to our National Football Coaches Convention. So there was a conflict there. So we're looking at what's the best time to do those visits. Uh, I've always thought uh, from the Division Two days to the Division One days, the best thing that about Division One is when we have that signing day in December, we are in a period where we can't have guys on campus and our coaches can't be off campus. And it's just a great time for guys to regroup and spend some family time. Now, if we're in the playoffs, we're still working and that's what we're working to do, but you still aren't away from home. You're still at home. So we're looking at that. Then we're also looking at our summertime, you know, summertime years ago used to be, Hey, you work your own camp. And if you decide to go to a few other satellite camps, you do that. And you're good. Then you get ready for fall camp. Now so much recruiting takes place during the summertime. So trying to find that time where we just say, hey, we aren't off campus. We don't have guys on campus. And this is our coach's time to be with their families and enjoy some summertime. So those are the things that are being discussed. Yeah, I, I hope I hope we get there. I, I think a lot of things just kind of got piled on all at once. And certainly the extra COVID year, along with the the transferring, the not not having to sit out a year has probably um, just compiled onto a lot of things. So we've just got to get to a better place. And as you've said, you really don't have an off season. You just have a different part of your season. Yeah, we really do. We have the fall season. We have the winter season spring season and we have the summer season because our guys are here all summer. So we're training them. We have more access to them, which I think is a a really good thing to prepare your team. But we also have to find that time where our coaches can be out of the office a bit too and recharge. Now, 
One change that I see coming now too, and I think it's going to be officially or starting this year, in our next recruiting cycle, we can do face-to-face contact in educational institutions starting in January, which will be a change for us and probably create maybe some more days away from home when those were more days here in January, a few days out, but uh, we'll make it work. We'll find a way to make it work. But I, I just, I think some of us guys that have done this for a while are really looking at the life balance. I don't want to lose good young coaches because we just don't have a great work-life balance. I think that leads to the final question that Alex has. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean, this is, you mentioned you've been in this business for a long time and you have, and that you've been the head coach now at this school now for 10 years. How have you seen your philosophy change over the course of your time as a coach in this game? Yeah, I think um, as you go through this, I'm a, a lot calmer. I don't um, <laughs> maybe sweat the small stuff. There's still some days I'm a little on edge about some of the small stuff. Um, that's never going to leave me completely, but, um, you know, hard to believe it's been 10 years in this role and obviously a humbling experience. And I really enjoy what I'm doing, but the big thing is just being around the guys, you know, when you coach and you're around college age guys, and I get this question all the time, how is it different coaching guys? It's not really different. Young people are the same they were 40 years ago. Times are different. I really feel for the young people having to deal with social media. You know, there used to be people critical of young people and how they perform in a field, but they didn't get to listen to it or have to listen to it. And now it's very open and very public. People commenting on 18 and 19-year-olds' performance on a field. I don't think it's great. When you can have guys, I try to talk to our team about it. Why would we pay attention to somebody that's up late at night, probably frustrated because he's living through you guys and makes comments about your performance, you know, but um, the other thing is we appreciate that people care about our program. So we try to keep those things in perspective. So those are some of the changes. The year round training is a huge change. Uh, the guys that played years ago will ask this question a lot. Boy, it just doesn't seem like it's as hard as it used to be. Well, physically, we train them year-round where we used to send them away for the summers and the breaks and not really do anything. Now we have them here almost year-round, so we're training a lot. The fall camp, we're meeting a lot mentally, really, really hard on young guys that haven't been in a college football program. Now, are we on the practice field as much? No more two-a-days? No, we aren't. But fall camps are longer days. So that's demanding on young people. So there's probably less time away from the program. And when you're here, uh, it's more structured what we can do. But I don't think it's easy. Like I tell our guys, I was wrong, Alex, years ago. I used to say to our team all the time when I was upset or individuals. It's not that hard. Well, I say it's simple, but it's hard. Amen. Amen. And I, th- I think you're right, Bubba. I think the proliferation of just information that's coming at our students uh, 
at a volume that I'm not even sure we could ever even believe would have happened 30 years ago. And, um, and I think it takes incredible discipline for our students to, you know, to, to block some things out because at the end of the day, that, that kind of keeps you moving in the right direction. Cause you're going to have days where you slip back and you know what, <laughs> everyone's graded. It feels like in every moment at this stage in the game, and that's probably not healthy. Yeah. Control what you can control. If, that's right. if we can remember that as coaches, Yep, and we can remember that as student athletes or whatever role we're in, uh, things go a lot better, and and that's what we're working for: teaching our guys to control what they can control, and and do it as a one day at a time. That's why we put it on our t-shirts, day by day. Yep, it it's really key. If you can get into that mode, things are a lot better off. That's right, and ask for help. And sometimes you are going to have a bad day. That we get to. Absolutely. Alex, our first head coach, and we got him on his first pod ever, too. Historic <laughs> times on our pod here today. No, I first and certainly not the last, Bubba. No, great stuff from you as always. Congrats again on a great season, another playoff appearance this last year for the group. And you're just 144 days away from getting it started again against Drake at home on September the 2nd. It's crazy. Just a couple of months down the road, yeah. and we'll be getting started for year number 10. Can't wait. What a great home schedule we have. Yeah. Uh, really looking forward to it. And Appreciate the time. Appreciate it, Bubba. Thanks, Bubba. Thanks, guys. Great stuff from Bubba Schweigert, as always. I didn't realize that was his first time on a podcast. That's that's big stuff, Bill. Well, Dave, I, podcast debut. You would think we have Bubba Schweigert. You would think you know we have our like uh, history of all the pods we've done and who's been on and. I hate to t disappoint our pod listeners uh, as we flip to the B side. Um, we don't, uh, but I do know that was our, uh, certainly I think our first head coach on uh, that's on our staff. I could be wrong with that, but I, I think, no, we've had coaches on for that, this year. We've had coaches though. If Previously. You go back to yeah. One, we just haven't had Bubba. One, season two. Yeah. We, we never got Bubba in for whatever reason, but hmm. I'd have to scroll through this word document that is like, for many pages long for the 131 episodes that we've done of this we could find this out maybe maybe this summer but we talked about how there's no off season for the pod the off season this will be like the time to catalog our guest list well because we do we have a 12 month have calendar and then we recharge the <laughs> pod do. the pod has to recharge just a little bit <laughs> yes we do oh well good stuff there as bill said let's let's flip over to the b-side quick and then we'll wrap things up for this particular episode uh, some of the big things right now from a national or more like Heinrich Chaves perspective, English Premier League soccer is starting to wind down. Major League Baseball is really starting to begin now. We're two weeks into the season. Where do you want to start, Bill? What's got your attention? Well, let me let me drop this one on you. So I'll bring you back about a week and a half ago. And so, okay. okay. And then let's go back 12 months from there. So it was about spring break, 22-ish, okay? And my wife and sons were heading to see my in-laws. I was not. I was with uh, stuff, right? But at the end of the day, uh, they're going. Bad weather. Long story short, um, my son, my oldest son is a uh, Spurs fan, Um has a uh, airline credit that he has to use it or lose it. 
So I'm trying to figure out what are we doing with this thing? And it was a decent sized credit. So sure enough, I look and look at the dates, look at what we have here. Looks good. Um, so May, whatever Friday, May 10th is, I think it's May 10th, somewhere in that range. So Friday to Monday, Fargo to Chicago, Chicago to Heathrow. We're going to go to the final Spurs game of the year. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that is something. Yay. First first trip, I'm assuming, right? To the new White Hart Lane? Yeah. First trip yeah. to England. To England ever. Yeah. Wow. That's exciting. Good for you guys. Yeah. So they'll play Brentford. Yeah. Brentford. Mm, so okay. play, play a, I guess bees. it's a derby. Yeah, it's a sure. It's a North London derby. Yeah, sure. They're, they're a London club. Sure, that makes sense. Sure, there there could potentially be a lot riding on that match. That could be either we need to win to to be in the Champions League. We need to win to be in Europa League. We need to win to be in the Conference League. There's a lot of things at play at that point in the table. Well, that that would be awesome. Final day. Oh, cool. Good for you. That's yeah. Final stuff. final day. So it's uh, second to last weekend of the season. Final home match. Final, final home, home match, match of the season. Yeah. Yep. Final home match of the season. So that'll be interesting. So we'll have to make sure that our final pod is post that trip. <laughs> I will want a full recap yep. of all the things. It just might be a B side that day. That <laughs> well, depending on, I mean, I, I there there won't be too much left. School will be done by that point. Pretty much all the championships will be wrapped. Uh, hopefully, we'll have some tracksters running in the West Regional to yep. try and push their way onto Austin for the national meet. But that will be fun. I'm excited to hear about. Now, again, this stadium is pretty state of the art. There's a lot of exciting things about that. It's a couple years old. I know the beverages fill from the bottom up. There, there's some cool things <laughs> that you're going to get to experience. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dare so to dream. Bill. We we That's don't awesome. we don't know what we're doing other than we're gonna land, we're gonna stay somewhere, <laughs> we're gonna spend all day in North London. That's for sure. Awesome. What about the experience? Are you most looking forward to? It's a really good question. I don't know much about it in a sense of what I just have read. My my brother in law, longtime producer at ESPN, long time, thirty plus years, mm-hmm. and he was sending us clips from uh from tottenham stadium because he was uh producing a boxing show over there and so that was back in january and so uh just inside various things but you know what i just think the 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 fascination of how they do a game event is going to be really uh interesting in so many ways and uh you know you always pick up uh, pieces of, uh, you know, pieces that you'd like to maybe incorporate in what we do here. So I'm excited about that. And not to mention just the pageantry of it all, you know, I mean, I think it almost has a little bit of a college football feel to it, doesn't it? Like it has that game day, who knows? I think there's a march, a walk, a who knows? And there could be sadness <laughs> among the Spurs faithful. I mean, it hasn't been the, the rosiest of years. No, yeah, no. A manager, managerial change and some hardships on and off the pitch and different things. Usual, usual stuff. The board yelling is, at each other yeah, during matches. Yeah, not not always great. Yeah, the fans aren't aren't super thrilled. VAR uh, helping us though over the weekend. Yeah, pretty crazy. So Spurs currently sit in fifth for those that are not involved <laughs> in this world so closely. 
they're three points back of Manchester United and Newcastle, who both have a game in hand. So again, the, the, the teams that finish in the top four make the, the grand European competition. Spurs did get a big win over Brighton, one of their closest rivals for a top four spot, who's behind them right now. And they were aided by not one, not two, but perhaps three VAR decisions, two goals that were disallowed, perhaps... I mean, you know, 50-50 calls, two handballs that were taken off the board, and then one penalty shout from Brighton that wasn't called either. But you take it. Harry Kane had a great strike to win the game in like the 78th or 79th minute. Sun's goal to open things was ridiculous, by the way. Beautiful curler yep. from outside the box. So, I mean, you, you take those those moments and you say, thank you very much, and you don't look back. You just keep moving forward. Yep, I would agree. And, uh, you know, there's just... Uh what, eight matches left, I think. Uh, and so it's uh, somewhere in that vicinity and there's just a lot to play for the way they just do it up and down that table. There's a probably a bigger fight for who's going to get relegated at this point in time. Yeah, that is that is incredible to see that many teams. I believe from 20, so again, bottom three go down to the championship from the teams that's in 20th right now to the team that's in like 12th. There's only about a two-game spread, essentially. It's about six or seven points and normally you've got maybe five, at this point in the season, maybe five teams. There's usually one that's almost already been relegated already or pretty close to it. One's completely adrift. Then there's a group of like three or four that are all kind of in range. And then there's kind of like the safe mid-table mediocrity. And that's just not the case this season. It is really wide open. You would have to say Chelsea's safe at 11 as they pull up the table in front of me. But after that, 12 on down, Bill, it's tight. Yeah, from, eight points between twelfth and twenty. From Palace to Southampton, I think, right? Yeah. So, and even if you look at the relegation places, Nottingham Forest is on twenty-seven points in eighteenth. Everton's on twenty-seven and seventeenth, and then up to Palace, they're only on thirty-three. So two point, two games. That's yep. all it is. That's yep. a big group of teams that could get sucked through the relegation moon door, as our friends at Men and Blazers usually say. Well, what ends up happening is every match obviously matters tremendously, but you could get a really focused team that's trying their their darndest not to get relegated. So uh, it's it's fascinating, and it, it will be a fascinating end uh, to the season for sure. And I, I, I kind of was rooting for a Liverpool Arsenal tie. I have to admit to you. And I got my wish. <laughs> you got it. You got that right. Yeah. That's the top of the table is more about Arsenal versus city. Who's going to, who's going to win. Who's going to find a way city have won eight in a row, which is crazy. And yeah. Arsenal had just that, yeah, a great, great match. Liverpool nearly had that match won a number of times down the stretch after going down to nothing. I uh, just Arsenal just has a way somehow Ramsdale made a save off the line that looked like the ball was in it just Brad Schlossman's an Arsenal fan he's been loving this season and we've I've been living vicariously through him to see this Gunners team that has been really mediocre I mean average really the last handful of years have this incredible coming out party this year and they've had this lead in Man City the incredible machine are now six points back but they have a game in hand and they play each other in about a week and a half. So it'll come down. Real, I mean, it kind of does come down to that. If Arsenal can get a point, they should be able to hold on. If they don't, it's a different story. And they'll probably find themselves on the outside. Yeah, no doubt about it. It, it uh, You know, <laughs> City, uh, you know, they've just been there, done that. So you just kind of feel like um, it's going to be hard for them. But 
you know, they do have their eyes on the Champions League too. So they're probably have some, you know, they've got eyes one way and the other right now. And that, that, that champion, that, that particular trophy has eluded them. It has. Now we'll find out. Well, as you listen to this podcast, you'll already know how their first leg in the quarterfinals against Bayern has gone. They're playing a good Bayern Munich team in the quarters. So potentially, if that doesn't go well for them, they could easily be out of that competition. That's the one wrinkle in this. They they might not make it beyond this round, and that might no longer be a distraction as much as they would hate that. I mean, Guardiola, that's what he wants to win. They have not won that yet with Manchester City in their history. That's the directive from the ownership group. If they get through Bayern, now all of a sudden you are going to have these midweek fixtures again through the semis. And it be, you got to balance your squad. They're as deep as anybody. But that would be a, an interesting nugget to keep an eye on for an Arsenal team. The only team I think that has had less, or excuse me, more drama than Spurs this year has been probably Chelsea. Um, and <laughs> as my son said over the weekend, watch Chelsea go ahead and win the Champions League. That would be so Chelsea. Yeah, and it's happened before where they've swapped yep. managers out and they've gone on to win the whole thing. So it w- they're on their third manager this year. They're currently in 11th place, but they are still in that competition in the quarterfinals. They'll play tomorrow. We'll see what happens. Do you know the answer to this? If if Chelsea were to go on to win, they'll automatically be in the Champions League next year. Do they take away the fourth seed from the Champions they, uh, they would not. They would not. No, they would not. So you'd have five English teams. Got you'd it. You'd have five English teams in the Champions League. Mm. Yep. Got it. Got it. Well, as I uh, as I said to Coach Logan, who happens to uh, cheer for the same team that you cheer for, um, as he was looking ahead to potentially, I'll call it European football, I said, don't forget about the Conference League. That one <laughs> could be right up your alley next year. They would be, if the season ended today, they would be out of all of European competition. Mm. They, they have to jump Brighton to get even into the conference places, I believe. But it's a lot of season left. They've had signs. Liverpool have had signs lately they that it's, they're starting to figure it out a little bit. But just they need to overhaul their midfield. And you know, there's just some things they need to figure out in the offseason. There's a lot going on. I, 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 I'll say this. How about this on the pod? And we'll leave soccer at this point in time because we're probably boring folks. But at the end of the day, I do <laughs> believe this. I, I believe this at this stage right now. I, I think this summer we sell Harry Kane to Man U. I think that will happen. Mm. I, I believe so. I, I believe we'll get a new coach, new manager. Um I, I, we have a lot of guys, younger guys that are out playing somewhere. I think they kind of come back. Um, I think we get the money for Harry Kane. They need, they need a striker. They are, uh, you know, it, it's either them or Chelsea uh, to some degree, but Chelsea just signed a boatload of guys, um, even though they don't have a striker. Um, but at the end of the day, I, he's a perfect fit for Man U. I, I, I could see that happening. I'm not sure where he'll go. I, I, I don't know. It's really hard to say what will happen in the next couple of months when the transfer window opens. I think that's probably a decent shout. Certainly they'll get a new manager. I mean, Christian Stellini is just an interim caretaker manager right now. They'll find someone else for Spurs. You never know what's going to happen. I don't think it'll be City, though. I don't think it'll be City this time. I don't think so either. I I, I think they have their striker. I think they've found their guy. I think it worked out okay for them, how that worked out. Yeah, yeah, it'll be fascinating. Well, here's what has to happen, though, Alex. I I, I think you're either going to have to extend them this summer 
or you're or you're selling them. I, you're you're not gonna. It's not gonna be a free the following year. You always talk about not loving it when your coaches go into the final year of their contract. It's even worse if you're a football club and you let your star player go into the final yep. year of his contract because then you have no leverage essentially, and the guy can leave for free. And that's that's a tough spot when you could recoup. 60, 70, 80 million if you're a guy like Harry Kane to help your club move forward and replace him. So something to watch. But again, so mark it down. April 11th, Bill Chaves on record. Harry Kane moving on. Sadly. Sadly. Uh, Really quick, and then we got to go. Thoughts on the Red Sox to start the season? Five and five so far. Some bright spots. Yeah. Uh, You know, disappointing that a couple things. Um, I don't think Duvall should be playing every day in center field. I, I mean, I just don't think he's an everyday center fielder. I, I think he'd be better suited to give you a little DH and maybe some corner outfield. Um, Kike needs to go back to center field. Uh, he's a tremendous athlete, but he's not a shortstop. <laughs> he's he's going to have to because Duvall just broke his wrist and is out for however long, indefinitely. This is the perfect opportunity for him to go back to center. And then figure it out. I play Arroyo at short for now. I, I don't know. He Kike's not a shortstop. I, he's he's played ten games. He's got five errors. Not great. And and I think I think his hitting has take it's taken a toll on him offensively too. And so you know what? Put him back in the outfield. He's really good in the outfield. And put him in center field. I know they're waiting for Mondesi to come off the shelf, right? And and, and even he will not give you. Uh, you you got to be careful because he seems to be always injured. And uh, funny, he's injured now. <laughs> he's injured uh, but start. at the end of the day, I, I still think it, it, there'll be a tremendous upgrade. Then Duval comes back, and then I think you can kind of mix and match at that point in time. But very average, although their pitching will get better. Whitlock is up. Um, we, uh, Bellow's going to be coming up, and they can put some guys in the pen, which, you know, Cutter Crawford will be fine in the pen. I mean, he throws pretty well. You give him an inning, I've, I feel pretty good about that. Maybe Tanner goes to the pen too. I, I, I think their pitching generally is okay. Um, Jansen um, is a roller coaster. I mean, if you like Six Flags, you'll love him in the ninth <laughs> inning. <laughs> but we knew that going in. Not a surprise. Like that's that was the mo. But hold on, white knuckle. Yeah, uh. <laughs> hold on. There'll always be guys on first and second, man. Yeah, oh man. I think the positives have outweighed the negatives so far. And Duvall had been a great story. He was playing great, unbelievable to start like franchise record stuff for like most home runs and RBI and things like that for the first like eight games of the season before, uh, yeah, he broke his wrist diving for a fly ball in the outfield the other day. I'll end on this, given that this was the Bubba um, pod, is uh, as an Orioles fan, and we went back and forth a couple times, their poor left fielder dropped a ball and Duvall went yard and won the game. But at the end of the day, um, as I texted him back and forth, I just said, Ugh. Uh, both these teams feel very 81 and 81-ish to me. And at, <laughs> at this recording, they're both five and five. Both five and five. Both on pace for that. Yeah. That, well, uh, best of luck to Bubba Zos, but not too much over the course of this season. And the Celtics, uh, and we'll start, their, Celtics start their journey. That's right. We'll be talking some playoff basketball coming up. They will probably be playing the Miami Heat, depending on what happens. But yeah, so that tough matchup uh, to get the two seed. You miss out by one game or two games of the Bucks, and you might get stuck playing against a team that is not an easy team to beat this time of year, the Miami Heat. So we'll see how it goes. But I think that's going to be our time for episode 131 of the Build Shapes podcast. As long Crazy. as the Celtics teammates maybe are not throwing punches at each other, we're good. <laughs>
<laughs> oh man, to be a Timberwolves fan, I just can't even imagine. Tough I one. Just can't even imagine. So enjoy some playing basketball here the next couple of days. Hopefully enjoy some softball in North Dakota in the near future uh, and, and enjoy the rest of the spring sports season as it continues along. On behalf of Bill Shaves, uh, thanks to Bubba Schwagert again for taking some time today. The, our behind the scenes team with Paul and Alec and Kelsey, I'm Alex Heiner. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you soon.